Welcome back to the Pop Culture Pod. This is John. And in this episode, I got a chance to talk to a doctor named Millen, who is a Facebook friend. What I knew about him for sure was that he talked a lot about COVID-19 vaccines on Facebook. And also, I knew that he's really into wrestling. So we dive into his role as a doctor, learning about COVID-19 vaccines. And then, of course, I had to take the opportunity to dive into wrestling. And we talked about WrestleMania. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a reminder, if you haven't already, click that subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you know every time we have a new episode. And we definitely have some coming up for you soon. So please be on the lookout. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Pod. If you're interested in hanging out with us, we are hosting Friday Vibe sessions during our lunchtime. It's a Zoom session. Email us or hit us up. Again, it's at popaculturepod or popaculturepod at gmail.com. Thanks again. Kelly Grown, hey, you can't touch this. Yeah. I'm a primary care physician in Sacramento. Been doing that for about 10 years. I did medical school at UCLA. I did uh, uh, my residency in internal medicine at UC Davis. And now uh, I have uh, work in the clinic in a in a group setting, seeing patients and really in the thick of it with the, with the COVID pandemic. Were you always pre-med? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah. You know, so my dad's a doctor mm. and um, I think part of it was, uh, you know, the typical, you know, my Asian parents saying, you know, you, <laughs> you know, I would say my, my dad didn't say I had to become a doctor, but I definitely had to do well in school. Like I thought right. I would die if I got to be like those, you know, those memes about getting less than an A that, that was, I completely relate to that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I think, you know, be having the privilege, my dad being a doctor was kind of just what kind of went, you know, uh, pushed me into that direction. So yeah. um, for me, I've always been kind of if, uh, not really exploring really. Right. So I, I pretty went straight through traditional, just like, okay, I'm in college. I'm supposed to be pre-med. Okay. I, I, I like biology. I like science. I can do this. Okay. You know, that's the next step after that. What's the next step after that? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you ever have an itch to, 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 to deviate <laughs> or were you pretty easily? No, I was pretty, I was pretty like, uh, always by the book, right? Like if, oh. like my parents said, you got to do this, then I was like, okay, this is what I got to do. And yeah. in a lot of ways, very sheltered in that way of just thinking like tunnel vision of like, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Cause that's how it's supposed to be. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I think with my kids, I'm very different now is like, you know, is, um, it's such a, it's such a different mentality, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and in some ways, I guess with my kids, a very privileged mentality too, to be able yeah. to think like, okay, well, you can pursue your passion or something like that. So uh, it, it's complex as I'm sure, sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Are your parents uh, immigrants? Yeah. So they're, uh, uh, I'm Thai. Mm-hmm. So my parents came from uh, Thailand, Bangkok, my dad uh, and my mom, my dad did medical school in Thailand. My mom did uh, nursing school in Thailand and they met in Chicago which I think um, with the first kind of Thai immigration waves, Chicago was one of the big cities there. So they mm-hmm. met there and then eventually came to uh, Fresno. So that's where I grew up was uh, right. central, central right. Cal. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely is a privilege to have that uh, support or yeah, definitely that privilege for our parents to be able to, pr- uh, to provide that support. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, yeah, to, to your point is, I'm not sure if there's necessarily a good or bad or right or wrong way. It's just what, what 
they grew up yep. thinking and, and how they raised me. And, uh, um, but it's interesting, you know, I definitely, there are aspects of like to them, right. The way you get somebody to do something is just to push harder, yeah. right? Like you just, just push harder, push, push, push harder. Like, well, you can't do this. You need to do this, you know? Yeah. And as opposed to, uh, for me, it's like, well, how do you, how do you naturally motivate that person? You know, do yeah. you shape the environment in a way that's conducive to making them want to learn it and yeah. do whatever, you know, through passion. So, yeah. You know, we were talking about like your, your pathway to becoming a doctor. It seems it, to me, it seems like you're a fabulous doctor, both from like, uh, from a collective, uh, bigger picture world and, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I haven't talked to any of your patients, but I, I, I assume that <laughs> I assume that you're awesome with them too. But uh, I, I appreciate that, yeah. you know, John. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I, 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 tr- I think a lot of that comes from um, the background too, you know. And I, I always, uh, sometimes I almost have to stop myself. I don't want to get on like a big soapbox, but you know, mm-hmm. part of that comes from I think um, it, it's weird, but it comes from my experiences in hip hop when it was, you know, so in in Davis, I was in a group and it was kind of like this DIY mentality, but then also with, you know, with progressive folks, right? You wanna, it's empathy, it's -hmm. it's humility, it's learning. And and I by far am not, um, uh, you know, I'm not perfect, absolutely. But I think from from me and my perspective is always trying to be empathetic um, to whoever, right? But yeah, to to your patients and and understanding and, and so that's where, you know, a lot of, uh, even when I'm talking about COVID and things like that, because for myself too, is there's so much that I don't know. And right. um, if I don't know it, how is a, how is a non-medical person supposed to know it? How are they supposed to sort through all the stuff out there? Because for right. me, it's hard to sort through all the stuff out there. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Uh, you've been a medical provider. You've been a doctor through this pandemic. Oh, how's that? How has that been for you as a, as a doctor? I think you know, medicine is so huge, um, so many different lines of work. And I like, you know, we oftentimes split things from the outpatient perspective and inpatient perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So outpatient is clinics and inpatient in the hospital. And um, so my perspective is from the outpatient side. And so mm-hmm. from that, it's less acuity, right? So I'm not seeing super sick folks, yeah. but I'm seeing what happens before that or what leads up to it. And the aftermath, that's the big thing is the aftermath of after somebody leaves and just this whole, you know, a patient's care is three, you know, I don't know if it's right, 360. It's, you know, so, so many layers to that. So, um, you know, in the beginning it was shifting to virtual care. So trying to do telephone yeah. visits and video visits which was in a, a good way to really kind of push you to be like, well, if this is our avenue, how do you provide the best care possible in that kind of setting? Yeah. And you kind of learn that, uh, yeah, so there's that piece. Um, there's obviously the information piece is just so much news coming out all the time is what's the right thing. And even that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, masking, testing, and then um seeing uh seeing my colleagues who work on the inpatient side how much they were pushed to their limits and stressed um even for you know when things got really bad is starting to train myself is like training okay am i going to go work in the hospital is in residency i worked in the hospital mm-hmm. in fact that's all that's pretty that's most of what i did was in the hospital and so but i hadn't done that in 10 years so yeah. it's like oh am i going to have to do that and you know that's that's i think what people may not realize is how many levers were being pulled across the spectrum because of how um, crazy it was. And um, I, I, I told my patients a lot like this when you can't, you know, it's like if a, if a restaurant has 
I don't know, 10 tables, right? It doesn't mean that you can sit all 10 tables all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, there's so many factors of how many people you can sit there. So same thing with hospital beds is I think the layperson doesn't know, realize that the hospitals, they have limited amount. They might have, you know, 200 beds. It doesn't mean you can fill all 200. And even if you could, do you have the staff to provide for all that? And the staff is not just the doctor and the nurse. There's right. probably 20 other different titles and roles that go into a patient's care from the moment that they're in the hospital to, to being discharged. And then after that, Right. So I'm going on a tangent, but essentially it's, it was, it's tough. It was, uh, and then we haven't even talked about misinformation, right? So I, I, you know, and that was, that was really hard too. And just to see, I think uh, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, just to see the misinformation was not helpful and to politicize it was not helpful. I I mean, shoot, I'm being euphemistic. It was, (laughs) it was terrible. Like it made our jobs much, much more harder. Yeah. I work with community health centers. Uh, so I don't have to worry about new information all the time, you know, uh, the way that you would as a medical provider or other people that are working in the, in the, um, in the hospitals. And I appreciate your point about that. It's not just you and the nurses or the ad, um, admit, uh, staff, but there is, uh, there's the 20 plus, maybe there's even others. There's, there's yeah. janitorial, there's, uh, Oh yeah. There's operations. There's a uh, billing. There's all that stuff that uh, people are involved. We forget about when we're not in, in, in your space. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beast. And, uh, and John, I'd argue, I, I, I don't know your exact will, but I'd argue it's super crucial to the infrastructure of just what you're saying. Cause you know, as a doc, sometimes you look at, I think lay people look at medicine as, and this is part of, I think what they show on TV is, you know, the doctor comes in and gives you this cure and then mm-hmm. you're fixed. And I think patients have that perspective too. And just like mask or no mask, it's say, you know, six feet or not, a lot of this is not black or white. There's so much mm-hmm. gray area, so much uh, spectrum. And so it's just like a lot of times, one of the frustrations I'll say, and maybe I'll say myself, but I know colleagues too with in professional care is, is I can provide you the medical recommendations, mm-hmm. but what the patient really needs is social support and, and a structure yeah at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the, I think you hear, I'm sorry, I'm going on tangents again, but in primary care, you hear a lot about docs sometimes burning out and stuff. And a lot of that is about that, you know, us being put in positions where what this patient really needs is um, a social worker who's going to, you know, put these things together and yeah. there's no, there's no support for that. Right. Yeah. And so sure. I can tell you how you're going to treat your cold, yeah. but you know, when you're missing work and you know, um, now that, you know, someone else missed the work, the domino effect of that. And that was the thing with COVID too, is death is, is easy to grasp. It's a concrete measure. You die or you don't. And so when people would say, oh, the fatality rate is, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to worry about that. Right. Right. And it's like, no, like, do you know, like the domino effect Mm -hmm. of what happens when you get like one, if you get hospitalized, the domino effect of that is so huge. Even if you don't get hospitalized and you miss two weeks of work, Yep. And now you got to go back to work and you still don't feel a hundred percent. And when you don't feel a hundred percent, you know, are you affecting those around you and you're coming home and you're affecting those folks? Yeah. It's a huge domino effect. And that's what the, I think the, the issue with this uh, pandemic really showed is not only was this a very uh, dangerous disease, relatively speaking, but just that domino effect of really affecting crushing the infrastructure in, in whatever sector yeah. Well, and it goes back to the misinformation and the politicization of the misinformation, the, the weaponizing of it. It was happening at the beginning 
with oh, that's right. just like the down the downgrading or the the under uh about undervaluing the the danger of it and right i was guilty of that myself too right um and it's continued it's continuing now i mean yeah. there's a, a lot of the uh the vaccination process has been right. sharply uh weaponized in multiple directions actually there's like there's yep. a it's weaponized in a in a way where it's like you there's people that are building distrust in it and then there's people that are targeting people that have a natural reason to be distrustful of healthcare of yep. the government and yep. amplifying that and yep. then there's also from the quote unquote well intended portion of the the medical space and social space uh, blaming the victim in a sense and I'm yep. thinking a lot about our uh our communities of color and the, the, the folks that are um, have less access to information, less access to reliable information, blaming them in a sense for not getting the vaccine or like running to fr the front line. You know, you, it's hard to keep up with the information, but you have been keeping up with the information and trying as hard as you can to share this information about like about the vaccine in particular. I've seen um, a lot of your posts about that on Facebook to educate, you know, your friends and family and whatever you're learning, you're sharing out. Other than being a doctor, what what was what's the importance of that for you? Yeah, I think multiple perspectives. Is one I touched on it is if uh, if it's hard for me to sift through anything, everything, it must be hard for other folks. And so why don't I share what I've worked through because I have the skill set to do that. And let's see if other folks can understand that. And if it's helpful, hopefully it's helpful to folks. Um, to uh, I think second it just a you know, geek thing to do. Yeah, I think uh, that information, to your point, there's so many different starting points for folks. And I think it's important we recognize all of those different starting points and meet folks where they are and meet the needs to where they are. And so going back to the point of humility, you know, I, and I can't say I read every article about vaccines and how do we get folks to do vaccines. And I, I kind of recall some headlines I could be wrong here, but maybe a headline about vaccine hesitancy. You know, people, we use the word mm -hmm. vaccine hesitancy. And maybe is that in some way perceived as blaming the patient for why are you hesitant, right? right. And, um, you know, when I read something like that, my initial reaction is, oh, that's a great point. You know, whereas I think other people may read that and go, well, they should just know, right? And that, that, that goes back to the humility thing. Okay, so, oh, I get that. Okay, I can understand why that um, is not the right word to use. And mm -hmm. You know who who are the right folks to talk to to wherever the you know the person is at on on vaccines and so this is actually interesting for me is uh, again I've uh, so I've been practicing for ten years and I it was only maybe three years ago that I was sitting in a a lecture and they were teaching us I think about how to um, how to talk about a certain medication and I one of the slides that said something like, you know, you're not trying to win an argument and, and you don't have to always be right. And, you know, the facts will only get you so far and, and you really want to understand where that person's coming from and what does it mean to them for that, you know, whatever intervention you're trying to do. And that really kind of changed my perspective because I think even now when I sit in meetings and things like that, the first suggestion when we talk about education will always be something about medical facts is, well, how can we uh, well, they should, you know, let's teach them that smoking is the number one killer or, right. you know, um, all of these things. And that's, that's all important. That has a role. And for some, some folks, that's how you will get to them is they want to know those facts. 
but we're missing a whole bunch of other folks who just want to know, well, well, if I get this vaccine, what changes? Can, mm-hmm. you know, can things be more normal? And actually what's interesting, I think, is around, um, uh, you know, the new guidelines by the CDC about, um, uh, you know, vaccinated folks can get together mm-hmm. and, and, you know, without a mask. And, and I think, I think that's coming from a place of trying to show that, well, one, yeah, the science shows that, yeah, it's probably safe. There's, there's, a, and again, it becomes risk, right? Is, yeah. is a whole degree of risk. And for some folks, you want to be as safe as possible. So when I cross my street right here in front of my house, even though I don't hear a car, I don't see any car, I don't, am I still going to look both ways? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. But for other folks might be like, I'm fine. I don't need to look both ways. I can feel it. I know there's no car coming. I'm just going to cross. So this is obviously more complex, but I think it's important to have that sense of, uh, of moving forward. And so for some folks, it's mm-hmm. going to be, Hey, if you, if you get vaccinated, think about all the things you're going to be able to do safely without, without being worried. Now I, I've thought, and for me, especially for older folks who have been isolated and, you know, some that, you know, they don't see their, their, um, their other families, I think that's really important. So I, I would tell them that like, you know, the joy on their faces when I say, you know what, you know, this is your second shot, you know, two weeks after your second shot is when you're thought to be fully protected. So two weeks after this second shot, if you know, have a great, a good friend who's fully vaccinated also, you guys can get together. You can feel safe doing that, you know, yeah. without your mask on. Um, now, some folks will say, no, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I still want a mask and that's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's how, 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 how low do you want to um, lower that risk? Wiping down groceries is a good example. So, you know, when in yeah. the, in, at, at the surges, like, do we wipe down, do you wipe down your groceries? Yes or no, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the idea was, sure, you can wipe down your groceries if you want to be as strict as possible. Practically speaking, can you, can you maintain that? Can you keep that up? Can you continue to wipe down your groceries every time? And if you can't, well, that's okay. Let that go and make sure you mask, you know, when you're going places, make sure you try to stay outdoors, make sure you're not doing these, indoor gatherings, right? It's almost like this checklist and what what applies to you, what can you really commit to? And knowing that there are different degrees of protection. So being vaccinated is the highest degree of protection. Masking is going to be second. Hand hiding is going to be third. Um, or I don't know, above that might even be just not putting yourself in the situation of being around a lot of people, right? Yeah. If you're going to do it, then be outside. And so um, I think in, in medical circles, you'll hear a lot of uh, um, likening it to... Uh, um, uh, safe sex and abstinence, right? Mm-hmm. And so are, are you going to teach everyone that the only choice is abstinence, right? And in some ways, that's what we were kind of doing by saying the only choice is mask every time, wash, you know, every, and sure, that's, that is the best way to do it, you know, to avoid the risk completely. But how, practically speaking, how many people right. are really going to do that? Yeah, it t- that totally makes sense. And um, as you were speaking, actually, even earlier, you're talking about, uh, there's providing care and then there's the social work part. Part of that is like relationship building. Have, have you had a chance to have those kind of conversations with patients? And I'm not asking you for like personal details. Sure, right. I, I think and um, my approach is, uh, is first is all any of these things, even vaccine or not, I always think about what I do for myself, my family and right. And so that's the first thing I say is, yes, I think it's safe. Um, I think it's the best thing you can do to reduce your risk right now. Um, my mom got it. My dad got it. They're 75. My mm-hmm. wife got it. And I actually, at what's this, I didn't plan it this way, but it worked out as we all got different versions. Right. So I got, mm-hmm. I got Pfizer. My parents got Moderna. 
Jules got J and J, you know, and mm-hmm. then a week later they announced the, the the pausing thing, right? And so in some ways we again didn't plan it out that way, but uh, that also speaks to it. So I get to say, you know, I, I think the best vaccine is the one you can get in your arm. Mm-hmm. And I can personally say that because my parents, you know, when they showed up for their vaccine, I didn't demand that they have a certain one. I was okay with them getting whichever one. Same thing for myself, same thing with Jules. So yes, I think it's safe. Um, and I, you know what? I, uh, I say, if you were my brother, if you were my sister, I would want you to get it. That's what I say. And then if we want to talk about the, you know, the science, then sure, let's talk about the science, you know, if that helps folks. You know, I'll, I remember somebody had, somebody had told me they did not get the flu shot because they were afraid of Trump. And they were afraid that Trump mm. had made comments about, you know, injecting bleach. And, and, and yeah. she was like, you know, I don't know if like Trump is putting bleach in the vaccines. Mm. And that, that just broke my heart. Like, wow. Like, right. you know, like, um, so, you know, and I, I, I told her and I had a, a good relationship with her. And so I said, no, that, you know, that's not true. And I would want you to get this if you're my sister. And she said, okay. You know, and so I guess that's where I've, for me, the personally speaking, last three years, I kind of really been flipping my mindset to be like yeah. on a more personal aspect rather than like, here are the five scientific facts of why you should, you should get it. Right. And that's what it seems to be that we're hearing, right? The, especially for the communities that are harder hit with um, misinformation and COVID-19 in general, that the community's already known that the, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the, best, right. the best messengers we, we've known, like whether it's for, right. like you're talking about HIV, whether it's been about smoking right. cessation, whether it's been about uh, whatever, it's always been the same messengers. I mean, why that's a surprise in the pandemic should not be a surprise, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, like the, the the people who you trust are the ones you're going to listen to, and no matter whether they're experts, right? Or, I I know you said you're not an expert, but closer to being an expert on this than like someone yeah. who's down the road. But if that person down the road is um, the person who's trusted, whether they know they write information right. or not, they are the ones who are going to be influencing, <laughs> heavily influencing behaviors. And and I yeah. think that's one of the big things too is for medicine is there's a time when you take a step back and we say, okay, you drive, like you drive and you tell me what you need from me. And I'm happy to provide it for you because you know best um, what, what your community needs right now, or, you know, you know, your community better. So let me, let me stand, uh, you know, next to you and support you and yes. what you need. What I've been saying a lot in the past few weeks is the community been knowing what they need, right? you know, and as I've been doing, uh, We've been focusing a lot on vaccine confidence, particularly because we, we work with Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander serving organizations. And when the information's clumped together, it looks like Asian Americans haven't really been hit as hard with COVID, but it's not true on m- multiple levels. Obviously, there's the Filipino nurses, um, Filipino and Filipino nurses, Filipino nurses, particularly for the Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islanders their death rate has actually been higher than all other communities. And it's not like a race or a competition, but it's just a matter of importance of highlighting that, you know, communities need this help. And right. if confidence is the only, if thinking about it as confidence and convincing people is the tactic, it's not going to work. It's a matter right. of understanding why they are hesitant or why they are um, not trusting of right. medicine or healthcare right. or whatever these things are. I agree, John. And I think honesty is always important and transparency, right? And so um, it's also, yeah, you, you, do, you don't want to victim shame, you know, for, um, I don't know if that's the right word, but you don't want to shame anybody for, uh, for saying no to. And that's the thing right. too, is like, is this, um, 
experimental. Technically it is, right? And so I, I get it, you know, and there's a reason why it's under the, you know, the EUA, the emergency use authorization. It is technically right. not FDA approved, mm-hmm. right? And so um, if someone's not sure, it makes sense, of course, you know? And, and so I guess, and that's where uh, for me too is, is not so much as, trying to twist someone's arm too. It's okay. Well, you right. know, well, you let me know when you're ready or if you want to know more, uh, uh, I'm here to provide that information, you know? Yeah. If, yeah. if um, so yeah, I'll say yeah. this, I know. I mean, I'm excited about the next it's, it's made a lot of progress. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what's kind of, I have, I have no scientific backing for this. What I'm about to say, the opinion is what I think is going to happen. What I feel is the rates are low enough. Now enough people are vaccinated, at least in California, where, where we probably will see this to kind of feel like um, um, a flu, meaning uh, meaning mm. when, so what I used to tell folks is like, the flu is no joke. Like hospitals prepare for the flu season every winter. It's like, we're gonna surge in flu. And, but we do it in a way that um, the layperson never really realizes how crazy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before COVID, you right. know, before COVID, it's always crazy during winter time, like on the outpatient and inpatient side, just because you get so much more volume from common colds, but then you get the, you get um, the, the hospitalizations to the ER, all of those things are crazy. Yeah. And so um, add COVID on top of that, then um, it's a mess. So sorry, my point is though, that it may get to a point where normal, quote unquote, normal life seems pretty normal to all of us, but still the, the, the health systems are still stressed you're still gonna, you're still gonna know, unfortunately, that you might know that friend of a friend of a friend who was 35 and did get hospitalized mm-hmm. and, and maybe they died, you know, that's yeah. still very possible, but it's, it might get to a level where it's like, well, things are, are still feeling normal. Uh, so it, it, almost like a steady state where we're, we're not gonna be as bad as the winter was. Um, what I like people to think about is, um, well, and it's, if you work in healthcare too, is essentially uh, in California, there were essentially two big surges is the, the summer surge mm-hmm. of July, August, and then this winter surge, you know, when the, the, when the country surged in, when the pandemic first started in April of 2020, like New York and all of that, we didn't see that in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, July was really July, August was our first big surge. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so we thought that was bad. Right. But then winter comes and winter was insane. And mm-hmm. so um, when you start to look at some of those numbers, they're now uh, in, in California are consistently below what that summer was. Um, so that's good. Um, and, but, but it may be to the point where um, it's, it's still, a, it's still an issue. It's just an issue that's maintained, more ma- but it's still, still ma- more manageable, yeah. um, not crisis mode, but yeah. still, but still like we don't, we would rather not have. Right. That. Especially if it's a um, preventable disease. Exactly. Which is, I guess, you know, exactly. the big thing with public health and other things. Uh, I appreciate knowing that because I, I don't know. I have no clue what like flu flu season is like for um, medical care. Maybe this is again one of those things where, in public health, you know, people know people talk about health equity and in general know what that is in in, in big gray area. When you talk about uh, disproportionate or, or uh, disparities in health, public health kind of know it. But before the pandemic, that wasn't like common language for a majority of this country. But I think at this point, whether they understand it or believe it or not, that is that is a common part of their glossary now. And yeah. maybe part of this too is understanding that the tr- when people say, "Oh, it's just the flu," 
it could be accurate in one sense, like you just said. Right. Yep. 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 Well, it's accurate in two senses. One that, yeah, it could just be like the flu, but also the other edge of that, other the other side of that sword is the flu is legit. We yeah. just don't yeah. know it because we have new like high percentages of uh, vaccinations on that. Um, it's so it's metered out, and so That's right. the, the the spread isn't as easy because there there's enough like barriers in a sense, right? That's right. And totally. so that's mind blowing for me right now because I didn't think about that because I don't have to, right? Because I'm that, that's actually, I, I'm glad you said that because that's one of the things that I, the whole thing about politicizing this just, oh, it just sucks because it's like, it in some way, like you said, in some ways it is like the flu, you know, um, it is, but in other ways it totally is not. It's completely, mm -hmm. and so, yeah. but I hate to be able to, you know, I even have to be careful. Like I want to, I don't want to say it's like the flu because right. that can be taken in a certain way. No, I appreciate it. I'm learning a lot. I think the biggest thing is, is, is vaccinate. And I think a big part of that is breaking down those barriers. And unfortunately, a lot of those barriers are just signing up for an appointment. Uh, on one hand, I wonder if, are we going to get to a point where a gift and a curse, we don't so much have to worry about the appointment process because they're not filling up. So is it going to be like every right. place is just going to start doing walk-ins? So, yeah. you know, a shame that it got to that point where the demand is not there, but if that's what it means to get people to come in, it's just like, hey, you know, just walk in. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah John, I'm sure you've heard of you're like the social determinants of health, mm -hmm. that kind of, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like, that's kind of, I think, in becoming more mainstream medical care now. And just like you said, yeah. the community been been knowing that, right? Yeah. But now It's all related. It comes yeah. back to wrestling, okay? It always like, is. <laughs> it really does. It's pro wrestling. It's hip hop. You know, we talked about like, how did I get into it? You know, I, I feel what's cool. What's cool is like people our age now is almost like we get to see the things we wanted when we were in our, uh, our you know, teenagers and 20s, right? So, yeah. so I just turned 40. So um, for me, it's funny is like now we see people in organizations and in different roles and stuff who grew up on hip hop and wrestling mm -hmm. and video games and comic books. And all those kinds of things we, you know, and and it kind of influenced us in, in a bit. So um, for me, growing up, I think it's the same. I got into hip hop and wrestling. I think similarly, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's because you know the characters, right? In in hip hop, it's like, oh, you rap, like that's cool. Like, oh, people rap different ways. Oh, there's different voices. There's different flows. Oh, these beats are different. Oh, they happen to be you can dance to them too. So wrestling was very similar. It's like, oh, yeah. there's a character. He's this way, you know, he's strong or this guy's sneaky or this guy, you know, um, the pageantry involved, right? So like with hip hop, you got like beats that, and then with, with wrestling, you've got, you know, entrances and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, um, so it's funny. I, a lot of that stuff actually influenced my professional life in a way people don't like realize is like wrestling is like, you know, the promos, right? So like, I, 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 so I, I do a lot of meetings. I can talk in yeah. front of a crowd, a group. And I, I mean, honestly, yeah. my brother too. And it comes from wrestling. It's like, oh, right. I, you know, you sing how people know how to talk, you know, and, 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 and engage a crowd. Yeah, I don't no. know about you. Like, were, were, you, were you like also since a kid, I'm, I'm assuming that's how most of us get into it. Yeah, it, it was the Hulkamania area, Hulkamania era when I got into wrestling. And I think it was just because it was on TV. I grew up in New York for a few years. I went from the Philippines okay. to New York and maybe in new york because the wwf was a northeastern entity yeah new york was right. a big territory for them that it was just for sure going to be shown 
so i don't remember how i got into it i just know that i was into it like crazy yeah. which probably was like every 80s kid at the time yeah no i've always just been into it and then with hip-hop it was different for me uh, a big root of where i am in, t- in terms of the world in terms of my worldview political view uh creativity is rooted in hip-hop and that rooted that got really rooted with public enemy in um early early 1990s and for me being a filipino kid filipino american immigrant kid at that time i was mostly hanging out with white kids yeah. and nothing against them it's just that right. yeah. i always knew i was filipino and partially because yeah. of wrestling this kind of my sister who's four years older who took more of the brunt of that culture culture shift that big uh, culture shock in a sense because she's four years older so i was four she was eight she was very conscious of who she was she was very conscious of like her accent her very conscious of you know looking different than other people but she, um, I remember I was looking at this composition book, you know, those black and white, like cow looking. Yeah. <laughs> I had one for uh, elementary school for one of my classes. And it, um, she wrote there, I'm not a real American, I'm a real Filipino, you know, because the Hulk Hogan song is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is, you know, she's nine years old or 10 years old writing this and I'm reading it like <laughs> by right. him. So I think that was also a call back to me recognizing that I was different, you know? Um, and then hip hop kind of emphasized that. Hip hop has been more of a root in terms of who I am. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't take anything away from wrestling because I, I, uh, I geek out at those things. I mean, the storytelling, I like to get wrapped up in it. I, we all know it's unchoreographed, but the, those pieces of like right. putting together a match and all that stuff is what, what I geek out about. So I think from a creativity standpoint, it's definitely been a, a core, uh, foundation too yeah i think um same thing you know it's funny i uh, when i tell uh when i tell jules like because you know about wrestling and um me and my brother we talk about it and uh i I try to tell her like how do i explain why we talk like we 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 we, i think we like to talk about it more than we actually like watching it you know Mm -hmm. like we like to see uh talk about the behind the scenes stuff and like i was saying now we like we get so much access Mm-hmm. um at our age now which i would have loved 20 years ago is like pull the you know pull the curtain back like yeah i i just like um and then no no it's relaxing to me i just listen to the podcast or i'll turn on the behind the scenes stuff like you know the the wwe 24 stuff all that kind of stuff is just so cool you know and to see um all that stuff is is just really fun for me and so and you know i think um i was i, I you know what's funny is i think if you go on the internet at least when i see people talk about wrestling they talk about the guy dissed WWE for talking about the WrestleMania moment. They talk about, you know, it's kind of like, oh, the moment, the moment, like all they care about is the moment. And I think they're at, I think WWE is accurate in reaching for that. Cause that's what I remember is yeah. I remember moments like, and I know certain fans would get so, they're so, um, they get really caught up in like, you know, the angles and things, blah, blah, blah. And um, I, uh, I just enjoy it for what it is now, you know, and it's like, yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't really, I, 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 I know part of being a wrestling fan is to pick it apart and all that, but um, I just enjoy coming in and just watching it. And if I don't like it, I'm just not going to watch whatever. And, um, but I, I will say, I think I kind of mentioned this before without the crowd, it's not the same for me. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, part of it was the crowd, right. Is like, yeah. you, you like, you love those sequences where you get the crowd and the crowd is all into it and, yeah. and stuff like that. That's what I, I really love. So that's part of you know the vaccine i hope you know let's yeah. I, I want the crowds back because I, I i uh that's that was part of what i love i mean it made it made wrestlemania totally different and we, i don't even want to talk about last year's wrestlemania even though there were good matches and stuff but they were they were in a corner they didn't know what to do they probably shouldn't right. have had it just from a public health and 
um, employee oh, health standard, but it's drastically different. It is um, in a good way. It is a circus, right? It's the grand stage right. of like right. people showing out and some people right. doing it really well in different ways. I, I still get nitpicky about stuff, but <laughs> I don't have too many people to, t- t- to talk to about wrestling. And actually during, you know, how's the two night thing this week, this year, yeah. like it was last year, uh, we were going out for some reason. And one of our neighbors walked by and like from half the block down, I saw in his shirt, he had an NWO sweatshirt. And I only know him as our neighbor who walks around with his dog. And I'm like, I totally just like geeked out. I'm like, hey man, how was, how was night one? <laughs> and so we were just talking about it. I'm like, oh, I get to talk to someone about something, you know, like, <laughs> like right when it happens. Um, hey, that, that, that was a little, that was risky though, because NWA, NWO is mainstream enough to where he would have, he could have said, what are you talking about? I just got the, you know, my- I know, right. <laughs> it was, it was a gift. For, I don't know. I had a um, gift card at Spencer's and I had to, I had to, or a hot topic. I had to spend it. <laughs> no, he, he was um, sharing his thoughts too, but. I was just going to say for me, the, the embarrassing for me, my secret shame is I don't follow any other sports. So I can't even talk. I can't, I can't, I don't, I, I can't even talk about wrestling. Like, like from a, Oh yeah, I know it's choreographed, but uh, you know, yeah. the athleticism or whatever. Cause I, I don't, I can't even talk about any other sports. Yeah. So, so yeah. So <laughs> um, WrestleMania, I, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Immediately comes to mind is this the Sasha uh, Bianca match, which I just love. I, mm-hmm. I mean, Sasha, she's so good. You know, uh, I think what's ironic is I think maybe it was a week before I just decided to watch the takeover Brooklyn, right? Sasha Bailey, which was, I remember, I think I was, I was starting to get back into it. So, yeah. um, you know, I missed all of the um, 2000s. Like, so what is that? Yeah, Ruthless aggression, all of that. Yeah. Like I, I, I kind of, I didn't watch it. I just would, you know, I would go to a website. I kind of knew about the people, um, but I didn't really watch it. Like even when CM Punk did his, like, I didn't watch like my brother would tell me about it and say, Oh, you got to check out this promo. And I, and I said, Oh, that's dope. You know, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, but I didn't watch it. So takeover, I remember watching that match and, uh, and I had started watching too. And I was like, Oh my God, that, that match was awesome. So I, I still think about that match. Yeah. So the Bianca um, uh, Sasha, I thought was awesome. I loved it. Um, if we're going to be really picky, I wish they yeah. had a, a buildup, you know, that was, yeah. uh, that was deserving of it. And so, uh, but I loved that. Uh, what else? Um, oh yeah, the the triple threat main event was really good. I thought, mm-hmm. man, I, I I'll just gush about Roman. I love Roman now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I actually would argue argue with my brother too. I always thought Roman was good. Um, but um, and now I'm drawing a blank. What else was on there? Uh, there was. Um, let's see. Well, I, I those those two I liked a lot. I, the Bad Bunny. Uh, Damian Priest, Miz. Uh, you know what? I, I didn't. I didn't watch it yet. I saw the spots, oh, and I heard. Every, I heard. I heard everybody rave about it. Yeah. Um, and I saw the spots, which were awesome. Yeah. But I actually haven't watched the match. So, uh, but I mean, I, people said it was good. So yeah. Yeah. No, it was. That was good from a surprise standpoint. I think I. I kind of had confidence like that that was going to do something like yeah. and not look stupid, like or not look silly, or right. He wasn't going to look like uh, Karl Malone and. Um, and oh, yeah. Dennis Rodman in, in, in the match. He was yeah. going to do something. But the surprise about it, because he carried a lot of the action in that. That's, yeah, right. Damian right, Priest right. is a heard. huge dude who's super athletic. It, it was it, right. it was his coming out party, essentially, right? Like, yeah. Bad Bunny was the attraction, but really it was a red carpet for Damian Priest. Right. And that was, that was the surprising part, was that he carried most of the action and did it really well. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone knew this dude's a celebrity, so there's still right. kind of a lower bar. But once that lower bar kind of kept on, it kept on kind of inching up further during a match, um, which was a lot of fun. And you know, what's funny is that I'm totally going to, yeah, age myself because I, I mean, I heard a bad bunny. I don't, I don't know any of his songs. I don't, I, I don't even know if that is like, like what genre is that? I don't even know. Like, is it hip hop or is it, is it like reggaeton or is I it? I think it's reggaeton. Uh, and okay. I, I am not the right person to talk about it either because I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, hip hop, it, it, he's, uh, it's Puerto Rican hip hop and I'm not sure where, right. where that fits in a, in what kind of category that sure, fits. Sure. Yeah. Well, I remember just the, I think the, yeah, the song where he had Booker T in that video. I thought mm -hmm. that was dope. I was like, oh, that's tight. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that was cool. Um, Seth and Cesaro, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sammy, KO. Um, I mean, Sammy, I think is, you know, awesome. He's just hilarious. Yeah. It's just so, so good right now with Sammy. KO, yeah. I love KO. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel like there's something missing with KO still, you know, unfortunately, like he hasn't been able to get that same, um, same spark that he will, like, obviously he's still uh, high up on the card, but it's just not the same as, and, and unfortunately, like the most I, like the most I'll remember for a KO right now is still when he came and did, was it three matches with yeah. Cena? Yeah. yeah. But those were awesome, you know? And I, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think what well, the problem with KO is that he should be a heel, but the thing is like, right. He is, he actually seems to be the right person to have the stunner. Um, yeah, yeah, I he, agree. And yeah. he can't be a heel with the stunner. Yeah. Right. That's so, true. Um, I mean, he's good as a, he, he's good at anything. Like Sammy could be good at, as whatever. Right. Uh, th those two are my favorite too. The Sasha and Bianca match for sure was the top. Okay, this is an interesting thing. The women in the NXT, whoever it is, most of the time, like at this point, I actually prefer, I, I'm more excited to watch the NXT women matches. Right. And it's been kind of like uh, marginalized in a sense where it's like the four horsemen, so four, four horsewomen, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte are like up here. And then you have Asuka, obviously, but then all the other women, they might be good here, there, whatever. But like, you mean on no, the main roster? On the main roster. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But in NXT, where they get a chance to just be pro wrestlers. Right. They're so good, right? Oh, yeah. Incredible. Um, so I think I got back into wrestling when the WWE Network got existed. Like, I had a friend who, yeah. Um, yeah. who was into wrestling. And yeah, I, I would watch it here. And I mean, I'd still watch it. And I would, I think we talked about this before in, in the same way where I got back into wrestling because I was listening to wrestling podcasts. And I was watching wrestling right. just so I knew what they were talking about. But hearing them kind of take apart the the business and the and the the craft of it was a lot more interesting. Um, and then I got into the WWE network and got into NXT. And even for NXT, I I would I really didn't watch any of the shows. I would just watch Takeovers, which were amazing. Right, amazing. Right? Yeah, um, so good. Yeah, and so Sasha versus Becky was my introduction to Sasha. Um, oh, on uh, on NXT. Yeah. when they were yeah yeah that was yeah. a good match that was, that was a yeah. really good match that I was like that. becky's uh becky doing like you know, you know the traditional um supreme underdog thing right and, yeah right and she but, lost but um but she was like pretty much the one who was made in that match yeah i remember yeah yeah so i wasn't even i mean i've seen bianca do really well and she obviously did put on a great show at uh royal rumble 
and she has a few good matches here and there in NXT, but like I didn't know she could um they would go that well. And obviously a lot of it had to do with Sasha's leadership. Right. Um and I'm a big Sasha Mark anyway, but then I, I the only reason I was torn about her losing is that they keep having her lose oh yeah matches at pay-per-views, especially like huge ones. But um you could tell with the backstage news how proud she was to be in that match and how proud right. she was to be able to make uh bianca um, right yeah, yeah 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 i think probably if, if we're being really picky yeah i would have said probably i would have let sasha win bianca still comes out you know is like the shining star she gave it her best but she's just not ready yet and uh but she chases you know until she finally wins yeah yeah but I, um yeah no yeah. i'm have you watched the uh, I have, I have some other comment about WrestleMania, but I'm curious. Have you watched uh, Raw and SmackDown after since then, since WrestleMania? I watch like yeah, I watch clips on YouTube. So okay. honestly, yeah. So I'm kind of limited there. I I, I kind of won't even really search out. I'll just I'll go to the WWE YouTube YouTube channel. I'll sort yeah. the videos and just what shows up there. Yeah. So I've just seen bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I read the and I read the internet. I'll, yeah. I'll go on Reddit. That's where I, I go on Reddit <laughs> I Square Circle. So, yep. um, so a lot of stuff has been, yeah. I mean, you know, how heard hasn't been that great, but uh, yeah, I would, I, I was all excited to watch Raw um, the night the after, after because you know it's oh. like the, it's traditionally like one of the best shows, and it was like, mm. and then what yeah. happened was like they basically put on the same show the next week. And then this week it was kind of better as I was reading. I'm like, I'm not going to watch Raw anymore. They had this huge, this is one of the best WrestleManias that they've had. They've made yeah. so many people. Raw is three hours. WWE has so much talent that they're cutting people who are super talented for money reasons, even though they don't need, I mean, they have enough money. Right. And they they pretty much put on like the same 12 to 15 wrestlers for three weeks. Yeah. So, barely advance any story so right. I'm not messing with raw smackdown live for whatever reason even though they've had a smaller cast of people that were on tv their matches in the past three weeks have been at least the last two weeks have been crazy good but yeah the roman daniel bryan match this past friday i think it might have been roman's best match i know like the oh man yeah the triple threat match was epic in terms of moments um nitpicking wise i was i just can't stand WWE's like filming of matches now because how fast they're in the yeah the cuts and stuff and um right. I also probably used the wrong palette cleanser because I watched WrestleMania 13 um a few nights before <laughs> the WrestleMania and you know watching it from an early 90s perspective and how they uh how they well wrestling has changed but also how they uh filmed it um was like you could see more of the the ring most of the time so oh, you can kind yeah. of see how things go, but then they shot the triple threat match kind of like trying to be all cinematic about it in a ring. Oh, I see. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, they, they cut out like the, so that you'd be surprised by the speakers right. or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it was an epic match, total, like in terms of psychology and stuff, but in terms of like um, psychology and uh, intensity and work and stuff, I don't know. It probably recency biased, but I think this match against Daniel Bryan was like, if not his best, but one of his best ever. Um, okay, yeah. I, that's I'm, what not I heard. A Roman, yeah. I'm not a Roman hater. Been frustrated with him, but not because of him, but because <laughs> of how he's been written. But um, 
Yeah, what about right. New Roman though? You're you're not on board with New Roman? Oh no, I told you, yeah, man. He's uh, okay, so yeah. good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Yeah. He's a... I, I don't know. I mean, this might be hyperbole, but I just think like, and again, maybe because I'm I'm more casual, but I can't think of like when was the last heel that was really like this. I just love how yeah, he's not like yelling, he's very calm. You know, people say like a mafia yeah. boss, or I think of like Thanos, like he's very yeah, purposeful with what he says, and it's like cutting, you know, like yeah. like the insults are like more personal and more cutting. Like I just love. I just love it. I, I haven't like, uh, and maybe because I'm not like watching the whole episodes, um, I almost liken it to maybe my tolerance for, for the BS is just because I'm, I'm like the uncle that gets to come in and just like have fun with the kids and then bounce because I'm not yeah. like invested so much that I'm like watching every, I'm just like, oh, let me just watch the good stuff, you know? So yeah. I leave with saying, oh, that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. But um, I'm going on a tangent here, but I wish they would bring in uh, Jimmy. Like I know Jimmy's injured, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you could do something with Jimmy too. Like, I just want to, I love the entourage. Like I want him to build his entourage. Yeah. So like it's bigger and yeah. um, so yeah. When I watch the weekly shows, I'm usually doing something else. I'm usually on my yeah, laptop right. or something. I'm not like sitting there. Although like there are certain times when there's a match going on, like that Roman Daniel Bryan one where I'm like, okay, I need to put my laptop yeah. down. Right, I need right. to rewind yeah, yeah, yeah. this because this is getting really good because you know, you know, most weekday matches are pretty, I mean, they're standard and they're kind of, right. they're just there to advance whatever story if they do it well. Um, but no, he's been ri ridiculously good. And like, there's an evolution even to his healness where it's like, right. he is calm. He is like uh, soft-spoken in a sense where it's intense and um, brooding um, like a mafia boss or someone who is completely in charge. And then recently he's been also ramping up that intensity where he's growling a little bit more right? because yeah. he's so offended that, yeah, sorrow would would yeah have the audacity yeah. to even yeah. yeah. get yeah. in his I face. And even I was just thinking about like the whole head of the table Samoan thing um, that he's allowed. They're letting him write this story as um, this Samoan, um, you know, beast without having to do what Samoans have had to do before. You know, and the Usos are, you know, get, they got to be themselves too at some, eventually, right. right? When it became right. these Usos. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, Roman doesn't, I mean, occasionally he'll wear a lei, but that was right. to kind of emphasize the whole like Samoan legacy yeah. thing. Right. But so Roman's Roman, he, who just happens to be of Samoan royalty. Right. And he um, will kill you. <laughs> right. Hey, <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> literally, we'll, we'll try to kill you five minutes oh actually even last week he had a five minute promo you might have seen it as a as a highlight he had a five minute promo and i'm like man just five minutes with roman is already like worth the two hours that you would spend in smackdown yeah and it's way more worth more than the three hours yeah. worth of raw and that's a right. little part because raw has been so bad but right like, right he's that good now where he's right like, he's advancing the daniel bryan story he's advancing yeah. Cesaro's story he's advancing I mean Jay is always going to have some importance um so anything that kind of crosses that path is immediately important yeah um and it's great because Cesaro is finally getting a chance to to get a chance in the spotlight because you know he he deserves it he's been right one of the best in-ring workers and now I think they're figuring out the best way to to utilize him um which I think he should wrestle in a suit all the time. I realized like <laughs> in the match yesterday, <laughs> I'm like, man, this dude should just wrestle in the suit. Cause you know, they've changed his ring right. gear like 20 times in the past yeah. five years. 
like he yeah. should just wrestle in a suit like he's the um work rate businessman kind of thing but right 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 the interesting thing is i was counting it up and out of all like the the main championships right now the main um t- titles uh yeah, right. and then not not counting the 24 7 out of wrestlemania 10 of the 18 champions including like both tag team champions were people of color which is really yeah it's mind-blowing yeah. you know thinking right. about it from yeah wwe or wrestling perspective right right, right? yeah yeah i mean that's that's the yeah i was I, I was i was thinking about that the other day i mean yeah i mean it's 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 it's, it's dope it's a testament to the talent and I, i'm gonna go on a little tangent here is uh maybe this is one of my pet peeves lately is when you know whenever you see headlines that say like oh the first black yeah xyz right right and then you'll see the comments where people will say like well it shouldn't be based on color um you know you should be um right person should be chosen based on their merit Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because you kind of see that the perspective of the people saying that is that oh you assumed that that person was picked because of their color yeah what you don't realize is what we're saying is people of color could have been doing this this whole time but yeah. only now is the system allowing them right. to, to or, or only now is the system recognizing it, right? So it's not, it's not, oh, they're the first. It's they're the first despite all of the, the BS that's come before right. them. Right. And so um, anyways, sorry. Yeah. No, that's not a tangent at all. And, it, you know, we talk about it all goes back to... <laughs> It all goes back in a circular kind of 360 way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, when you're talking about like healthcare and all, all, all that stuff, you know, and um, not to make light of it, but it's true, right? Like certain communities are getting a chance to get the resources that they need that they haven't been getting. And right. Um, not to make it all serious or anything like that, but I'm just kind of calling back to that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wrestling's serious, man. Do you have any dad moments that you feel like you want to share or a, a dad moment that you'd like to share? I think the one that sticks out, and this is in relation to the pandemic, was my um, my eight-year-old son who, you know, been dis- they've been distance learning. And I thought he was having um, a good time, you know, as mm. being home. We weren't watching him as much. We weren't as strict with his video games. So he was getting to play a lot of video games. He was getting to be on the screen a lot. You know, and I thought he was just fine, right? And enjoying it. Um, and then, it, embarrassing to say, it took, you know, it took some time. Maybe it was not recent, but, you know, several months ago where he finally was kind of breaking down crying about mm. that, you know, he missed, he actually, he missed, you know, friends and things like that. And so yeah. this whole time I thought he was kind of immune to that. And so that for me was just a lesson in checking in on that too, is that, you mm. know, things might seem fine, but for him, he actually was struggling with that. Whereas um, my, my 12 year old, she already was struggling since the beginning of the pandemic of, you know, not being able to be with her friends. Right. And so right. I thought, yeah, I thought my son was having a jolly time with right. his video games, but no, he was missing that human interaction also. So, yeah. um, you know, probably another time about, you know, safety of schools and stuff, but for us, you know, that mental health aspect, um, was, was pretty big, was pretty big. So 
Um, I was glad to, you know, with safety precautions in place, vaccines and all that, I, I'm, my, my kids are going to school two days a week now. And um, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to the teachers too for, 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 for doing that. But, you know, for my son and my daughter, it's, it's been huge to be able to have that um, uh, a huge mental health um, boost for them to really have that interaction again. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's really deep. Um, and like humbling, you know, talk about humility. That's really humbling. Right. I mean, that must've been humbling for you too, but because yeah, there is an assumption that they would have cool. I get to stay home and play video right. games and watch TV and like something that I would love to do probably when right. I was eight, eight years old, but yeah, I mean, that's really sad that he was going through that. Um, yeah. And I, I think part of it was, and, and I, it was self-reflection for me too, because part of it before in the beginning of the pandemic, when, um, people started to talk about mental health. I, I thought it, I definitely thought it was important, but personally, I probably did not give it the weight mm -hmm. that it deserved um, with my own bias because my own bias is let's hold on because things will get better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think I was still holding on to that bias and then, you know, to see it affect me personally was then uh, made me realize too, well, well, you can't just say this is important now because it affected you. Okay, the people have been, this has been affecting people's mental yeah. health too. So yeah. for me, a learning moment too, to just reflect on that and say, okay, you know, um, there's an aspect to that too. And that's where it kind of sucks about the whole politi politicizing things also, because, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm generalizing on one side, it was, you could say it was the right always saying like, well, mental health is going to, to, to um, you know, suffer you know and now it, it's almost like if we say that or is it like giving in to a right talking point which it, sh it shouldn't be i guess that's my point is it's not yeah, you yeah. know it's no they're not the ones putting in money into um to health care that would provide universal access to me mental health care anyway no i don't think you're you're <laughs> i don't think you're you're touting or emphasizing a right talking point because or a talking point from the right because it's empty when they say it what you're saying is real. And I think, yeah, bottom line is it's back to what we've saying is just shouldn't be politicized. And this is it's part of the right thing to do is what we, what we truly care about. And yeah, what are the actions that people are doing from whatever, wherever you come from to really affect that change?